I want sustainability and I'm looking forward to like a really big transition um, for our people because right now the work that I'm doing, I'm also encouraging and building more young leaders out there. And so I've been, you know, reaching out and, and building um, more networks with young people and, you know, creating. They are warriors. They're strong, resilient, and determined to make a difference in the world. They come from different cultures and walks of life, but they all share a common purpose, to uplift and empower their communities. Welcome to Meet the Anutin Kewak a podcast where we sit down with Indigenous people who are making a positive impact in their communities and beyond. From activists and artists to entrepreneurs and community leaders, these warriors share their wisdom, their experience, and their perspectives on a wide range of topics. Join me as I dive into the diverse and inspiring stories of these remarkable individuals and learn about the challenges they face and the lessons they learned along the way. In this episode, our guest is Haley Rose. She's a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate from Mosquito, Grizzly Bear's Head, Lean Man, and Red Pheasant First Nation in Treaty 4 and Treaty 6 territory in Canada. She's currently an Indigenous Studies major at the University of Saskatchewan, and she holds several leadership positions, including the Female Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations and the Assembly of First Nations National Youth Co-Chair. And she's also part of Neo Wellness. Haley is dedicated to empowering and uplifting youth, promoting holistic wellness, and advocating for mental health. Awesome, Haley! I'm just glad to glad to get you on. I've been uh, been thinking about this for a while now, and um, ever since I came up with this podcast and came up with the name, I'm like, oh yeah, she's gonna be uh, she'll be a great guest. So really happy to have you here, and um, yeah, I'm just uh, excited for uh, excited for this conversation. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, it's a pleasure of mine to be here with you too. Oh, that's deadly. Well, we'll kick it off. Let's uh, just tell us a bit about yourself and and uh, a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in Mis- in in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, Treaty Six Territory. Um, I'm a registered member in Mosquito Grizzly Bear Head Lean Man First Nation, um, and that's from my biological father's side, and then. Um, my mom is from Red Pheasant, so I have some family ties there. Um, and I'm currently living in, in Whitecap, Dakota First Nation. And uh, it's actually my first time living on a reservation. And so it's a really big, um, it's a new thing to me, you know, living on a reserve, um, being born and raised in a city my whole life. Um, that's all I knew. I was an urban uh, res child growing up. So. Um, I really liking it. I was I was living in Saskatoon because I'm currently um, in university. Hey, I'm in my second year. I'm studying Indigenous studies, and it's been really exciting, um, especially um, studying Indigenous studies while I'm doing my leadership work in politics and um, maintaining my roles as FSI and youth representative and uh, the Assembly First Nations National Youth Co-Chair, and then also doing some business. So out here in Whitecap, this is actually our headquarters. And so we do, um, we maintain all of our, our work here for Nawa Wellness. And uh, yeah, so got a lot going on, um, but always trying to do my best for the young people and, you know, a healing path forward. Wow, that does sound like a lot. That's a lot for a young lady. Man, when I was here, 
holy sound real old now when i was your age i was like <laughs> just worried about what my next uh where my next beer was coming from but uh that's awesome i'm so uh so happy to hear that from you with uh with all that being said what was uh what was life like growing up like what was it like in uh in north balfour mm-hmm. man well you know there's a really big stigma behind north battleford um, a lot of people refer to it as crime town. Tell, and so yeah, tell me about it. I'm from Meadow Lake. So <laughs> same thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's tough. It was tough being, you know, identifying as an indigenous woman um, in North Battleford because there was a lot of racism um, in that city. And, you know, there was a couple issues that even happened, you know, growing up. Um, in North Battleford, the things with, you know, the, the bushy case and whatnot. And so I faced um, some challenges there. But, you know, I had a really good family. I have a really good family. Um, me and my mom all the time. Me and her are just real close. And, you know, she supported me through everything. You know, when I was doing my podcast things, when I was going to school and, you know, trying to maintain everything that I was trying to. But, you know, before that... Um, Growing up, I, I experienced a lot of mental health challenges. And uh, I think that was because there wasn't a lot of opportunity in North Battleford. And so there wasn't a lot of things for our young people to do. And so we didn't have access to like, you know, different arcades or, you know, all these different things that bigger cities have. And so it was really difficult um, to keep myself busy, stay out of trouble. And so, Sometimes the only option was to get in trouble, you know, how do we have fun? We're going to drive and, you know, <laughs> have fun, have a good time when we drive all the time and, you know, do some reckless things in that city. But um, I think what really, you know, made North Battleford home was, was family. And, you know, that's where my family grew up and that's where my family is still to this day. And uh, I really wanted to make the most out of that city um, when I started to experience like depression and things like um, anxiety and insomnia a lot of that happened um, during the before the pandemic and we were facing a lot of mental health struggles in our community and uh, a lot of our young people um, had suicide struggles too and so those challenges um, affected me too because I lost somebody who meant a lot to me hey and um, for me it, it took a really hard hit on me and um, I didn't have the the access to some really good supports at that time resources because it wasn't a conversation that, that a lot of people had hey a lot of people didn't know um, how to cope with mental health and so sometimes the only way that I knew how to cope with, you know, the, these mental health challenges, obstacles that I was facing was, you know, to, to go to the drugs or, you know, to go to the alcohol and, you know, to, to party with your friends. And um, that was normal. You know, that was that was a normal thing for um, our young people to do, especially when we didn't have access um, to other things that could keep us out of those those uh, environments and um but as I got older, I think I started to realize that, you know, if there wasn't this opportunity in this city, then I want to see what's what's out there, what's beyond, you know, North Battleford. 
And uh, it's funny because I remember uh, scrolling through Facebook. Eh? I was scrolling through Facebook and this opportunity came up and it was like there was this conference happening in, in Ottawa and I was reading up on it and it said that you had to apply and make this really long essay and do a, a video introduction. And I was like, this is my way to just get away for a little while, you know, and I was in a place of, of hurt at that time. Um, and I didn't really know like what I wanted to do. I wasn't um, doing too well in school, hey. And I always knew that I was really smart and, and that I was capable, but because of the things that I was experiencing, um, it made it difficult, you know, it made it difficult for me to like have that drive to go to school, to do my work, to focus, um, and to have good relationships, even like with my friends and with my teachers and um, even in that school, hey. So I remember filling out that application <laughs> And it was saying like it was asking me these questions like who are you and you know what do you what are you like what do you like to do um, what are the things that you've done in your community um, what are the things that youth are are facing right now um, that have been prevent preventing you from succeeding and man I remember going through all those papers and just telling my story and I asked my mom I said mom like you know like what do I write about um, in this application. And my mom's a really good writer. Like, I can always rely on her. She just, uh, she's academically all there. <laughs> and uh, I remember asking her and she's like, you know what, Haley, it's always important to speak from the heart. You know, be yourself. And, uh, you know, you're, you don't want to portray as someone you're not because that's not you. And people are going to see that. People will see that about you. They'll, they'll recognize it right away. And people want to know who you are, you know. And uh, when I went, I ended up getting accepted to go to this conference. And I ended up going to Ottawa, and it was with the Assembly of First Nations. And so it was a really big thing, a really big opportunity. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm here. <laughs> and... Uh, we ended up creating five calls to action, and it was towards um, our education system and how we could implement good solutions so that our indigenous indigenous young people um, could have a good education so that we could see and help our young people succeed in high school, in university, in college, and in, in trades. And I remember just sitting there like, holy smokes. Like, I'm really doing this, you know? And I always wanted a change. I always wanted something that that was going to get me somewhere else, you know, somewhere else that I needed to be. I didn't know where I needed to be. I didn't know my purpose at that time. I didn't know um, what my goals were. I didn't know what my dreams were. And I remember sitting in this in this room at the end of the one night there at, in, in Ottawa, and there was this elder and she asked me, you know, who are you, Haley? And I was like, I'm Haley, Haley. And then she goes, well, what do you do? And I was like, I don't know what I do. I, I go to school and, and then when I, go, when I go home, I sleep. <laughs> and um, it really made me think. And we did some really good work there. And I ended up being able to speak at that conference 
and it was in a lot it was in a really really like uh, significant like big um, place where a lot of MPs were um, you know there was a lot of chiefs in the room and uh, the federal government was even there to listen to our young people and that's where the beginning of my political leadership journey actually began because I realized that I was actually creating um, change and sustainability for our people, for our young people, for our younger generations um, to do good, you know, and, and to help them and, and bring awareness to these issues that is a reality in our communities, things like suicide, you know, things like the mental health, things like our, our um our education systems were failing us our justice systems were failing us at back home our health care you know there's so many things going on with health care right now and what really stuck with me was people were listening to me and I think that's what was my calling it was I needed that I needed somebody to just listen to me you know look me in the eyes and be present in the moment with me and not be thinking about all this other stuff, not worrying about all this other stuff. Just, Haley, what do you need? You know, what do you think you need? And in that moment, I felt, you know, heard. I felt like I mattered. And it was like, this is what all of these young people want. You know, and we, we wonder why our young people get into trouble sometimes. And sometimes it comes because they need that attention. They want that attention or sometimes they don't have that and they feel like nobody's, you know, listening to them. Nobody's um, giving them that space to just speak. And so that's what really like um, kind of sparked this this and ignited this flame in me, you know, to, to continue doing this work. And from there, um, it kind of took me and, and gave me more opportunities um, in those spaces and already I had a really good connection with um, the Assembly of First Nations and some of the people that that work there and um, yeah that's that's basically you know where, where my leadership kind of kind of began and here I am oh man <laughs> that's awesome here I had a bunch of questions to ask you about uh, FSIN and assembly and you kind of cracked off every one of those it's awesome uh, it's it's pretty deadly when you get to talk to somebody, hey, and they just give you their attention and they're listening and they're not waiting for mm -hmm. their chance to give you an answer or try to tell you how to fix your fix your problems or fix anything about you. They're just listening and taking it in. It's uh it's pretty special. It's um I'm glad you got to experience that. And get to experience it now. I mean so many people don't even get that in their lifetime. At least uh at least you got to experience it now and know what it's like and be able to take that forward and, and um and really lead the charge with a lot of these youth. It's pretty special, um, pretty special watching you from what you're doing and being able to, just being able to see like that there is people out there doing what you're doing. That's probably the, mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest one uh, for me because it gives a lot of hope, right? It gives a lot of hope to people, especially, especially a lot of people that are in isolated communities or anywhere, right? It doesn't really matter, but just that there, there is things out there. There's opportunity out there. If you take that risk, take that chance. And really, once you're there, it's like, it's, it's, it's freeing, right? It feels from the outside, it looks like, oh my God, she, is there so much pressure, so many, so much, so much to do. I can't believe she's doing all this. But when you're doing it, you're like, what's next? What's next? This is fun. I'm like, I'm loving this. 
on top of obviously there's pressure and different different nerves and different things but it's uh it's pretty cool to see i um i did have one question especially from the female point of view because i i talk to a lot of guys i'm in uh <laughs> i'm in a lot of uh man space we'll call it i do a lot of even even coaching and things it's a lot of like men coaching and relationship side of things and i'm usually talking to the husband but um especially with indigenous women like on the even at the fsin level like what's what's like the big issues facing a lot of those females in the in those uh that you see anyway right now yeah i think um for myself i think uh, a lot of people forget how young i am hey i'm only i'm only 19 years old and Sometimes I, I, I need to remember that myself because I can put so much pressure um, on me for, you know, some of the things that, you know, I face every day or I see every day. And I'm like, Man, this is crazy. Like, I feel so young in this space, but I also know that I w I've been placed here for a reason. And, you know, I was elected, you know, by by young people, you know, from the 74 First Nations in, in, in Saskatchewan that rely on me, you know, people that want me to guide them. And for me, um, it wasn't about really leading people. Hey, like, I, I don't want to lead the people. I want to guide you. And I was and I think for um, for myself, there's always this this vision that, you know, our, our our leaders are there to rule. Hey, and that's something that can be so um, so difficult, you know, to to think about because that didn't come from our people to to think that way that that we rule. And sometimes it becomes difficult because even though I'm in this position, um, I'm still exactly where everyone else is. You know, I'm still, you know, just a regular person. And so sometimes it's hard um, being in this position because a lot of people do rely on you. But sometimes, you know, you still have your regular regular life. You're still dealing with, you know, normal issues that everyone faces, right? And sometimes I'm not given the opportunity to to share those things. And so sometimes it's hard for me to be vulnerable. And it's hard for me to um, express the way that I'm feeling and, and talk about um, the hardships that I, I'm going through. Um, and talk about, you know, the things I've even experienced in my past. And so when I was younger, um, I experienced something that was like really traumatic and something that kind of like, you know, really led me here um, to do that, the, the work that I do. And I always believe that, you know, the teachers out there, the ones that are leading come from a lot of knowledge, come from a lot of experience and things that they've actually, you know, persevered through in their life. And um, when I went through that traumatic, you know, um, situation when I was young, um, as a trauma survivor myself, it really opened my eyes to, you know, how much I conquered through and how much I had to believe in myself to do that work, to do that work internally. And especially for our women, um, even even in these leadership roles, um, we can face a lot of lateral violence. And we can face a lot of lateral violence even from our own people, even from the people that, you know, we, our relations, you know, the, that, that kinship. 
And lately, I've been, you know, really thinking about, you know, how our traditional governance systems work because they've changed dramatically, you know, with, with chief and, and council um, that was brought by, by the, the white man, you know, to have somebody who, who's more superior on top, leading and guiding everyone. But if we take that back, if we take it back to our traditional governing systems, you'll see that we didn't have these chief and councils. We didn't have that. We had tribal, we had tribal chiefs. We had clan chiefs. And so your name title as a, as a person, right from when you were born, you already had a responsibility. You already had a right. You already had a duty. So when you were born, whether you were an older brother already and you had, you had siblings on the way, or maybe you were born into a family of medicine, or you were born into the family of war, or you were born into the family of political affairs, that was already something that was in your bloodline, a, a part of your clan. And it's something that's really like powerful because sometimes, um, you know, the violence that comes from um, the outside, you know, externally, but internally too, um, we've, we've dismissed and forgotten that we as Indigenous people had these practices way before time that brought us together always equally as one. And that's what made us so strong is because one was never on top of the other. It wasn't based on all of, you know, like, um, how do I explain it? It wasn't based on um, being elected in. You weren't elected in and, and people weren't to vote you in. You were in that place of power because you, hold, you held great knowledge, whether that was po political affairs or with medicine or with, you know, all those different, as we call it, portfolios now. Hey, we call it portfolios. But back then, that's how it was. And so I think it's created like a really big, a really big gap. And I think we've, you know, even forgotten you know, how important it is to bring it back to those those traditional governing ways. And I think that's a good good way as how we can, you know, prevent um, the backlash that happens, you know, being in those positions and working with other people out there when it comes to the federal government or the provincial government or even, you know, our own institutions or organizations. And... You know, being a young person um, in this position, I know that a lot of our, our older leaders, a lot of our more recognized leaders um, sometimes can, we can underlook us, right? Because we're young, you know, we're young people and, and we're the children. And sometimes it does go unnoticed, you know, sometimes the work, but um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be at those tables making those decisions because the decisions that are being made are going to affect us. You know, they're going to affect our generations. And so it's important that we talk about these things with our education and our justice and our health care and bring and, and, and uplift our women in these positions. Um, and when you talk about those, those traditional governing systems too, a lot of the women um, led the way because our women were the life givers. Our women had a lot of power because, um, because of who, who they were. 
and they provided life, you know, they, they could bleed for days on end and, and they wouldn't die, you know, and that's what gave them so much strength. That's what gave our women so much power. And they were the hunters and they were the gatherers and they were the protectors. Because you know, when a mom's mad in the house, everyone feels it in the house. Everyone knows something's wrong. <laughs> That's a scary, scary deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a lot um, that our young people are facing right now. But I think coming out of this pandemic, it really is, you know, our mental health. It is things like racism. It always draws it back to that, you know, not feeling welcomed in in spaces that aren't made for us, you know, s spaces that can be very colonial. A lot of these, um, a lot of these spaces aren't welcoming for our young people because it's still very limiting. Hey, like to to what we can, what we can do, what we can bring, um, because those opportunities aren't there sometimes. And um, so these are things that, like, I always talk about. Um, even in, in, in when it comes to decision making, it's like we have to remember that our young people are going to be the leaders, you know, in in those positions one day, making those de decisions. And so it's important that we mentor them and we guide them and we make a trail for them to walk on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, it yeah. was it's crazy. I was going to ask you actually, like, what does a sovereign nation look like to you? But you just explained exactly what you explained exactly what that was. Um, and you touched on it a little bit and I want to kind of dig into a little more about like, I was talking, I was talking with some colleagues this morning about it and it's, we call it IK or indigenous knowledge, right? To a lot of the projects that we work with, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of environmental stuff that we do at work or with our consulting. And there is a lot of indigenous knowledge in that. Typically we got to go seek out the elders for that knowledge, but do you mm -hmm. see any of it like in your travels and with those with a lot of those conferences that you go to like that that knowledge being passed down to the youth or in, if that is getting passed down like how is it getting passed down do you see any of that or is it is it kind of dying right now that's what i see i don't see much of it being passed on because i mean it's always romantic to think like oh yeah go have this even or afternoon with an elder right but you know everything else life gets in the way and it just and people it just goes by the wayside. So I just wanted to get your perspective on that. If, if you see the knowledge being passed on. I think a lot of our indigenous knowledge comes from ceremony. And for myself, when I'm learning about these practices of our people, about our values, about, you know, our ways of life, you know, the, why everything is, why everything was made the way that it is. Um, it comes from ceremony. You know, when it comes from sweats, it'll come from sun dances. And that's a place even, too, where a lot of those conversations are, are, are given. That's where a lot of those conversations come from, where you learn those practices. And, um, you know, even in university or, or high school, you think that a lot of that knowledge could come um, even just from the, the education curriculums. But I think sometimes... Um, the pressure can always be put on our young people too, hey, you know, that, you know, we don't give them that, that, that knowledge. We don't pass down these teachings. It's also for us, you know, to, to reach out, you know, to go to the elders, to go to our knowledge keepers, ask our mothers and ask our fathers. But 
something that really prevents us and I was I was talking to my grandma about this as well as to you know I want to know more about like who I am our identity about our culture and about our ways of life as Nehewak and for our older people out there um they still have a lot of guilt and a lot of shame attached to you know all the traumatic things that happened to them you know the things like 60 scoop and indian act and you know all those residential schools you know all those things made them feel like they couldn't talk about those things they couldn't share that they couldn't share the language they couldn't pass that down and so that's why we lost that and so when i asked my grandma this i was asking my grandma like you know i i i, I wondered too like why don't I know my language, you know? Because my grandma's fluent, hey? Like, my grandma can speak it. And um, I had to make her feel comfortable. I had to provide her with a space that made her feel open to sharing, you know, the, those important um, teachings. And I think that's what we all have to recognize. We all have to recognize that you know, if you've experienced so much um, traumatizing things in your life, it becomes difficult to pass that down because you don't know any better. You've been taught, you know, not to, to pass that down. And the other couple of weeks ago, um, I sent my grandma a song. I was singing a song. And it's the first um, song that I've actually learned in Cree. It goes, and, and it goes, or I forget how it goes right now, but I sang this song, hey, and I sent it to my grandma, and my grandma called me within a minute. She goes, Haley, send me that video right now again. I knew what you were saying. And she's like, Haley, I want to cry. I want to cry. And I said, why, grandma? And I wanted to cry, you know? You know, like... Seeing, you know, for our young people, like, it is really tough um, seeing older people cry, like, even a mother, even a father, you know, it's, you're not, not something that you're used to. Um, and so when she said that, she's like, wow, Haley, she's like, to hear you singing, um, especially in, in the language, in your language, she's like, that's so inspiring, Haley. And uh, I could hear it in her voice. It was like, Wow. I have hope. I have hope. And suddenly after that, after I had sent her that song, you know, she's she's been talking to me about these different teachings, talking to me more about like spirituality. And there was always spirituality in my family, but it was a little bit more, um, it wasn't as near to, to culture. It was more spirituality stuff like Reiki and grounding yourself. Um, but I always put that pressure, you know, I was always like, why wouldn't, you know, my grandma pass down those teachings? But I realized that we had to make that space for them to be vulnerable and to to remind them that it's okay. It's okay to pass down those teachings. And that guilt and, the, and that shame that's attached to that trauma is, is not their fault. And it's not anyone's fault why these practices and this knowledge hasn't been taught hasn't been taught to our younger generations you know that 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 didn't come from us and so 
<clears throat> when it comes to indigenous knowledge too, it, it is a big thing to, you know, reach out to other people. Um, but yeah, I think like for younger people, it's easiest to do that through education, you know, cause that's, that's the only way to like be educated, you know, it is to go to school like and, and learn. And so, um, it's harder, you know, for, for urban, um, native kids for sure yeah absolutely and i i i echo that sentiment every single person i've talked to has uh has said the same same thing about ceremony everything goes back to ceremony and getting in touch with ceremony um even talking with with uh chester knight and he was uh with alcoholism he that had a huge grip on him and same thing it just took some sweats took a lot of ceremony to uh to start realizing start opening that and cracking that open and so many people i talk to about sundance everything is always ceremony and i'm very fortunate too now with with the line of work that i do and and being able to consult with so many people and being able to talk to so many people like everywhere i travel my my backpack's full of tobacco so i'm always i'm always offering and, and listening and, and really learning how to listen i think that's probably the biggest thing which worked for a lot of ways. I need to learn to listen for my relationship for one with my wife, but now being able to carry that over to being able to listen to just listen to stories and listen to elders, not just elders, like listen to leadership, listen to young people, listen to anybody, but just to take it in and, and really, really try to understand it and not again, come back with like an answer or a fix. I mean, most people bring me in to fix things, but but I mean, just to take it in for a while and then I can work on the fix, but not have to solve everything right away, right? And and listen. So it's been a real uh, it's been a real experience for me in that same in that same sentiment of just just taking it all in and and really uh, paying attention. But again, that takes time, and it took a lot of it took a lot of effort on my end too. I always I always thought the same thing of like, well, no one taught me that, or no one's teaching me anything. But it's like, wow takes effort on both sides you have to you have to reach out as well and, and be open to those uh to those teachings so um yeah no it's pretty deadly hearing you talk about that the the other thing and we mentioned you were talking about it quite a bit like just with education and youth um i'm really big especially with work with um trying to capacity build in, in any way i can in a lot of these communities that i'm in and and it's tough it really is there's a lot of issues facing that but um you're in school right now like you're in university and trying to get more youth especially indigenous youth into stem fields like anything with that right like science technology engineering uh that's kind of where i'm living in in that engineering world which it's very very rare to have that um and in the medical field like Again, we most people I talk to, like any smart Indian, they go for their law degree, right? It's like we have enough smart Indian lawyers. We need, we need more Indian doctors. We need more Indian engineers. We need all these things, right? Like, what do you see at the university level um, on that? Like, do, is there is there much progression in that way, or is there still a lot of work that needs to be get done at the grassroots level? Well, I'm very fortunate um, when it comes to education. Um, you know, I I went. And applied for university even before I graduated and um, I went in thinking that I wanted to do political science and s soon enough I realized that uh, it was gonna be indigenous studies I was gonna switch this up real quick um, but when I attended um, my first class it was online because I was a COVID student hey and um, 
I didn't get the 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 university feel um, my first year, and so stepping into my second year this past fall term, um, I remember walking in with my backpack and you know feeling good, and I was like, oh, university <laughs> life is here. Got my school I'm clothes. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put on my towel clothes today, <laughs> and. Uh, I remember just being so like excited and and I was still in 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 politics. I had a lot of my my polls classes and um I remember walking into that room and I actually had a lot of um indigenous like earrings on. I had my indigenous earrings on and um I had uh my hat that said uh, big anti energy and so it was pretty clear, you know, that I'm indigenous, I'm native and you know, my backpack just has this big like feather on it like that says uh big anti energy you know like I'm putting I'm putting it out there (laughs) and I remember walking into that classroom and everyone was just looking at me like really staring at me and I was like okay you know and I just stuck it out and kept my health I kept my head held high and I was sitting in that classroom just you know sitting there quietly and um right off the bat I was I was kind of like uh I was watching the prof, hey, I wanted to see if he was going to do an acknowledgement, hey, because usually they do that first day class, and there was no acknowledgement to the territor- territorial lands or, you know, to the people that, that walk this this treaty, um, and I was like, okay, okay, and I was the only Indigenous woman in that class, and already there, I was like, oh, I'm in for a long ride here. And so instantly I kind of felt like a little a little out of place um, because there was a lack of representation. I didn't see a lot of similar faces that kind of looked like mine. And, um, and I know that that can be difficult, you know, for Indigenous people to step into those spaces um, and not see, you know, other Natives in the classroom. And... I remember like coming out and I was like, well, what is there, you know, for, for the indigenous community? Cause there's a lot of indigenous students here. I know there is. And I walked into the, to the Gordon Oak center and it was a really beautiful facility and it was for the indigenous folks. And I was kind of like wondering like, you know, what do they have here to like, that's accessible for, for our first years or second years? Like, is there any like, events that can can kind of bring us together because I'm I'm really trying to find my community here and for me that's really important hey that's what drives us that's what motivates us to to stay there because I knew if I didn't really feel um welcomed hey if I didn't feel welcomed at the university it was going to be really hard for me to stay there and there was nothing really that I that I could find and I was like oh boy I was like I can't believe that but I didn't know at the time that the pandemic kind of, you know, stopped everything for all of that. They couldn't, they, they couldn't uphold and, and continue these, these councils that they had. And a lot of them, you know, just discontinued. And um, I was, I was lucky enough to make, you know, a, a few friends there, um, you know, at that, at that Gordon Oak Center. And I found myself um, realizing that they needed more opportunities for our young people to to feel motivated to to go to university and to continue with their education and do good. And uh, 
I got that ISU, there's this Indigenous Students Union. Um, I got it started again, and that felt really good because I knew that if we started this council again, it was going to bring our people together, and they were going to feel welcome there, and they were going to, you know, have some relations. They were going to feel um, like they had a space um, that was safe for them. And I am very grateful, too, because, you know, I had some connections to the vice dean um, at the university. And these are things that we do talk about, too, about um, having more representation at the school, having more Indigenous folks um, take up the more mainstream mainstream um, university life, I guess, because, you know, we have things like the ITEP, we have SUNTEP, and those are the Indigenous programs. But for me, being in the mainstream, I didn't see as much of that. And so I kind of understood, okay, maybe that's why, you know, maybe that's why our Indigenous folks go to the ITEP is because um, there's more representation there. And, um, you know, growing up, I, I, I realized that, like, being in leadership in politics, I wondered if it was going to be really difficult for me um, to do good in my career if my education had some sort of Indigenous on it, right? If it was a program that was made for Indigenous people. And that was something that I thought about because I didn't want people to think that, oh, I had an easier education because I had this or that. It was like, I'm going to show you that we can do it because we all are. We all are capable of doing this. And um, there's some really great things happening, you know, at the university. And there is a lot of um, good resources there. They have um, a lot of cultural coordinators that um, even offer things like ceremony at the university. And I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that you could do that at the university. And I was actually talking to, to the coordinator herself. And she said, this is really hard to do this you know, at the university. She's like, because we're not used to bringing our culture into these spaces. You know, we go back to our homelands for that or we go back to our communities to to do these practices. And she's like, but for the ones that don't have access to that, we're going to bring it to them. And uh, I was like, that's what we need, you know, like we're building more opportunity for them. You know, we're going to bring the ceremony here if we can't if we can't bring the ceremony. If we can't bring you out to the ceremony, we're going to bring the ceremony to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's an awesome way to put that. Well, I'm glad to see that they're doing that in school or in schools. I Obviously, that's uh, that's U of S. Eh? So um, that's pretty awesome. That's really awesome to see. I, I also I hear your sentiment, too, about um, if there is indigenous attached to your education, almost feeling less than than some. Uh, some people out in the professional world, right? But there's, there's, um, I say this to a lot of people all the time and it's, it's funny because myself, like I have, realistically, I have like no business doing what I do a lot of times, like just my whole life, my whole career cycle has just been this crazy, crazy thing of, um, of just opportunities and me being, uh, I know brave enough or dumb enough to take them and jump at them and ending up where I end up and, and being able to do what I do and in the rooms I'm in half the time. But um, with all that being said, it's like, you just got to take those jumps, right? And like get these people to, to do that. And like, 
live outside of that. But again, it's so hard. And you mentioned it too, with a lot of that shame and past that is a lot of it, I think is ingrained in our, our DNA even. And then obviously with the things we hear growing up with our, with our parents and their parents and their parents, like it's, uh, it's really hard just to get out of that shell. Right. And a lot of, I mean, you see it, you see just so many shy youth. I could only imagine, right? Cause you shine, you're shining bright when you're talking to all these people and, and putting yourself out there and even being on this podcast, putting yourself out there. And there's so many that, that just go into that shell, right. And just kind of shut themselves off from, from everything and don't want to be seen, don't want to be heard, even though they have that gift, they have that light that they can put out there. And it's, it's a shame. And uh, I think what you're doing, especially at school and just with everything that you're doing politics wise, it's, it's hopefully, even if it changes one, two lives, I mean, as cliche as that sounds, it's giving those little girls that, that opportunity, right. To, Hey, I want to be like her. I can do this. I can do what she's doing. And hopefully if they learn that at the age of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, by the time they're your age, it's like, Oh yeah, they're just on a full path. You're kind of, you're kind of leading the charge or breaking that ground. Right. So it's uh it's pretty awesome to see and, and just hear you talk about all this um it's funny because i had a big list of questions I'm, a lot of my guests are doing this i feel like uh, everyone's looking at my screens but you're kind of nailing off every question i have that's uh that i did but i want to lighten it up a little bit or get more into yourself um like with all of that being said for the last however long it's been <laughs> like what do you do for balance like i mean you you talked about it you're 19 like i said when i was 19 i was like didn't even know where I was half the time, let alone trying to talk to uh, Assembly of the First Nations and FSIN and going to university and things like that. So what do you do like personally for, for that balance? Mm-hmm. Well, as my mom always says, you can't pour from an empty cup, my girl. <laughs> and she'll always remind me when I get a little too quiet. Um. Well, lately, actually coming to the coming into the new year, I kind of had to lay everything out um, because I was really overwhelmed. You know, I was trying to balance university being a full time student and I realized that it was really hard for me to say no. It's really hard for me to say no. You know, I always think that I have time and I'm trying to make these commitments and, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say no to anyone because I just I feel like experience for me is so important um, to like guide me on like these other crazy adventures that I'll go on. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because I actually work with a business that um, nourishes all as- aspects of self through the medicine wheel. And it's an indigenous female-owned business called Nawa Wellness. And so it's really important that we balance our medicine wheels and remem- remember that um, we have to take care of ourselves, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually. And so for me, um, when I was setting everything down into the new year, um, I was like, how am I going to maintain um, these elected positions, because right now I'm in the FSIN, you know, I'm elected to the AFN Council, I'm working with the AFN's Women's Council, and, you know, I'm trying to do business, I'm learning more about business, and I love that, and, you know, I have some film stuff going on, and it's like, you know, I have a lot of doors opening for me through these opportunities, but I tend to burn out. And when I burn out, I burn out hard. 
And so sometimes for me to not get to that point so I don't burn out, I'll just keep going and I'll keep myself busy. I'll keep myself distracted so I don't have to worry about anything else. So I don't have to deal with, you know, the things that are a little too difficult, the things that I don't really like to talk about. <laughs> um, and I'll keep myself busy. And I realized that was my problem. I was like, that's why I'm committing myself to so many things is because I just, I don't want to slow down because then I got to deal with these, this. I got to face it, you know? And with Nawa and the crew, with my roommates, um, we practice that. We do things, you know, for our own health, for our own self-care. And one of the first things on my list was, okay, where are my priorities? You know, where am I going to be putting my energy? Because I volunteer every single day, you know? I volunteer every single day and maybe I need to cut back. Maybe I need to slow down because I'm tired, you know? I'm tired and... Um, so I became a, a part-time student. I cut my studies in, in, in half. And um, I was like, I, I want to focus on my elected positions. Um, I want to do well in school. So I need to make sure that I only have a couple classes. But something that I also do to like unwind and then just, you know, balance myself is going back to ceremony. And I've been slowly learning about that more, about myself. And... I always thought like, you know, I never had culture. I would tell myself that. I would tell myself that I I never had culture. And I was dismissing that I did. I did. And I did have access to it. It was just a matter of reaching out, you know, and and I found that that is a place where, you know, I can just be vulnerable and I can just be myself and I can talk about, you know, the things, about the good things, and I can talk about the bad things and express the, the way that I'm feeling. And that's something, you know, for a lot of people is we're constantly thinking about everything, you know. Even when I'm trying to sleep, sometimes I'm thinking about, okay, what do I got to do tomorrow? Or, oh, I forgot to do this today. And it's like, when do you slow down? When do you take your that time for yourself to just not think about any of that and just be present with yourself and so something that I recently took up was yoga and uh, my mom would always try to practice yoga with me um, and I, I never liked it I was like oh this is an older person thing but no I was wrong I was wrong because I love yoga and it allows me to just be still in the moment focus on my breathing and that's what I need to do for myself. I need to just listen to what my body's trying to tell me. My body's trying to tell me to slow down. Okay, put the phone away. Let's do five minutes of meditation. And so every single day when I wake up and I make my bed, I smudge and I sit down on my bed and I'll do meditation and I'll do box breathing, you know, for, for five minutes. And then I'll just say, you know, a couple of things. Um, some affirmations to myself you know sh show some gratitude especially when I'm when I'm in the mirror hey when I'm in the mirror doing my hair I'll be like oh my hair is so beautiful my hair protects me my hair gives me strength and so what you're doing is you're giving yourself that love that love that everyone longs for right and um besides that you know like the the physical activity I 
I try to play sports sometimes, <laughs> um, playing soccer and, and staying active, physically healthy. Hey, that's a really big one for me. Um, and working out and, and trying to um, keep that and set that as a routine. Um, but even that, like, you know, that was something that I used to do all the time. I was working out every day and then I suddenly stopped and it was, it's always really hard to get back into it. It was really hard for me to, to step back into the gym and, and get into that routine again. But for us, we have to remember that if we want to find a balance, we have to remember that the balance isn't just, you know, doing those physical things. It's the emotional, it's the spiritual, it's the mental. And so it's important to journal. It's important to go outside and spend time out in the land, out with the nature, you know, just even by yourself, even just, you know, taking time for yourself to, to get out there and, and you know, distance yourself away from, from technology, from social media. And because I think for myself too, like, it's affected me greatly. And for my generation, for our young people, that's become, you know, normal. It's like we spend most of our days on our phones nowadays. We can't even talk to our young people without them wanting to go on their phone, without them taking Snapchats of you, without knowing and going through TikTok. And it's made it really difficult for us to even have conversations with each other. And it's not even our young people. You know, even for myself, coming out of the pandemic, it was like, I don't even know if I can speak anymore. I don't even know if I can speak in, in, in front of big crowds because I just feel like I have social anxiety. And once I addressed that, once I was like, I do, I do, because we forgot how to interact with one another. Because nowadays we don't, we don't phone call each other. We don't, you know, we, we rather text each other instead of talking on the phone. And so I think that's what created like a lot of challenges for myself too was like was the phone was getting away from that and even that is hard to do because it is it's an addiction right and for young people it's even created like a lot of barriers and it's scary because I think Sometimes when I'm scrolling, you know, through these social media platforms, I'll see, you know, young girls and it's like, wow, that's crazy. Like they seem so mature for their age. You know, it's like they're growing up so quickly based off what they're seeing on social media. You know, and you have access to anything on there. You can put anything on the on the media and once it's on there, it's it's not going anywhere. You know, even if you delete it, it could still be saved somewhere. And it's scary. Like when I have kids, I'm telling you, you ain't getting a phone till you're 16. <laughs> and I mean that <laughs> because it's it's forcing our young people to grow up way too quickly. And they're seeing things on there that they shouldn't be seeing. And it's even scary for me because there's a lot of false information that can be shared on there. And... Even TikTok, it, it's such a dangerous platform, and sometimes when I'm when I'm on there, like some things really hit me and really bother me, and then I I think about it and I actually believe that that's true, or that, and then it makes me think about myself, 
And then it has me questioning the things that I'm doing when I shouldn't even think about that because I'm already aware of what I'm doing. I already know that what I'm doing is good or I'm feeling good. And then because I saw one little post or one little story, it was like, now I don't feel good. And I know that's happening to a, to a lot of our younger people, hey, is like what they're seeing on social media is affecting their relationships with other people. It's affecting their relationship with themselves. And these are things that like we need to like address. These are things that we need to talk about because even for like, our, our parents out there like you know phones are so normal it's just like sometimes we just need to take that time and put it away and just listen to each other and have t share good stories and tell good stories because that's the way that we're gonna learn that's how our people learn oh man you nailed so many things in that and i i feel the exact same way but I'm still that person too that like I'll go scrolling, catch myself and be like, what am I doing? I know better. And then I'll like Guilty. set it down yeah. and then still feel like I'm jonesing for my phone again. I'm like, yeah, there's something wrong here. Um, but you're right. Absolutely right with a lot of that. And it's, uh, it sucks because there's so much stuff on there that we see. Typically we're only seeing people's highlight reels um, or, or like all, <laughs> most of natives, it's always all their business too is getting aired out on there too. But um, it's just like, it's, yeah, it, it just, it's such a fake world, right? And then you, most of us, you go back to your real life and you're like, oh, wow, this is really dull. This is boring. Like, it doesn't look exciting like everyone else's life. And it's it just a downward spiral from there, right? So these youth, it's just like, you don't stand a chance after you're watching some of that stuff. So it's, um, it's pretty tough. And there's really no, like, I haven't met anyone really with a good fix around it yet. Um, obviously, you try to keep your kids a shelter. Like, I'm, I'm, fortunate because i have a six-year-old and a six-month-year-old right so i uh or six-month-old six-month-year-old uh but even the six-year-old right like it's it's he's he has his own computer like he plays games on his computer he watches youtube like it's as much as you want to try to do all these things and keep them sheltered it's to a point right and it's just like oh where does it end so it's uh it's a tough one and that one can go on for days for sure but i just want a couple more for you and then i'll I'll leave you be, but, um, it was funny. One of my questions was going to be like, what are you grateful for? But you nailed it. I like that when you're in the mirror, mirror work is some of the best work hit standing in there and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's pretty deadly. Um, and then affirmations and smudge, you nailed all that. And that's, that's awesome. And it's these little things, right? They don't take a lot of time for the first little while till you get your routine going. It's, it's a little bit, but, um, most mornings, my son and I, after we, we mess around downstairs first thing, then we'll, we'll smudge and, and, uh, and talk to each other about what, what we're want to set up for the day and what we're grateful for and things like that. So it's, uh, it takes mm -hmm. a little bit to get, initiate that change, but once it's there, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. That's another thing though. Like for a lot of people, it's like, Oh, I have to go out of my way and do that. But for me, like, I don't have time to do that. I'll do it in the mirror. I'm brushing my teeth and I'm, I'm thinking about this already I'm like I'm grateful you know for this and I'm grateful for another day it's already become a routine because you're already doing your hair you're already brushing your teeth you're already getting dressed and you're you know what I mean it, it just if you're on a drive like that's a perfect time to do it and for me too it's like if we can scroll on our phone for 20 minutes then we can do some work for ourselves for 20 minutes that's another thing or you're laying in bed anyways you're you're going to bed so you might as well like you know do a couple of breaths <sighs> <laughs> well that's how i look at it right like 
can't uh, can't make an excuse. I can't, anyways. But I am guilty. I am guilty for the phone thing. No, I understand that a hundred percent. I do. Uh, I do understand that. Um, so for Haley, what's um, like? What are these future goals? What's all this working towards? Like, what are your aspirations for work? Um, what does a career look like for you? Right. Well, right now, I know pivot all the time, but right now, what do you have your kind of uh, target set at? Ah, my target, my visions, ah, oh, sustainability. I want sustainability and I'm looking forward to like a really big transition um, for our people because right now the work that I'm doing, I'm also encouraging and building more young leaders out there. And so I've been, you know, reaching out and, and building um, more networks with young people and you know, creating um, and, and putting more like, um, what's the word? I guess I'm giving them, you know, an opportunity to seek, you know, their, their dreams and their goals in their life. And that's a really big one for me is, is giving our young people more opportunity. And so what I really like to do is I like to start things and I like to hand them off. And so once I have it up and running, because that's, a hard, that's one of the hardest things to do, is start it and then the rest is history the rest is all for the books um but looking to my future like you know i i have had some exciting things um coming up um a lot of solutions for young people and a lot of important discussions that have been happening happening about um preventing you know like things like drugs and alcohol and, and, and gang affiliation. And a lot of that has been doing the work um, and bringing that back to my local community, bringing it back to just the community and reaching out to the ones um, that are affected, you know, around me. And um, a lot of this has has come through um, my work, you know, with, with FSIN and with AFN. And I think it's also um, inspiring me to, to create my own association, to create my own, you know, council of superstars to, to drive these things, to drive um, some of the, the issues that our young people are facing and, and to talk about this. But more importantly, it's it's building those relationships again and, and making our young people feel comfortable to share um, the things that, that they're going through, right? Because it's different for everyone. You know, the things that I'm going through are, are way different than, you know, what some other individuals going through way across the nation, you know? So, um, and I've done some really exciting things the past year. I know we're, we just got into the new year. Um, I got into some filming, and so that was a really big thing for me. I always wanted to do that, and um, it was really exciting, you know, and, and I'm trying to help build a business right now with Naval Wellness and uh, pushing, you know, Indigenous and, and supporting Indigenous um, business owners, you know, because that's a big industry, and I think a lot of our, our people are just young entrepreneurs, you know, just really trying to create something that is going to build a life for them. And um, yeah, it just, there's so many things like going on, like, um, but a lot of it is behind the scenes. And so for me, it, it's kind of hard to talk about because a lot of it is 
I do it and then you'll hear about it later and it's like, yeah, that's that's what I've been working on. That's that's what I've been doing. But um yeah, so there's I don't know. Some aspirations is that is that Well, no, that's good. Oh, a little that? bit of aspirations too, but I think you got that okay. in there. That's that's deadly. Like leave that you do your work and uh we'll see all the fruits of that. That's that's pretty awesome and uh I really like that. Well, like I say, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So where, uh, where can people find more information about you and, and what's the best way to contact you if, uh, if people want to reach out? Yeah, so one of the ways that people usually contact me is through the Federation Sovereign Indigenous Nations. Um, I work under the office of Third Vice Chief Ali Bear, um, but I also have my social media platforms. I have Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at Haley Rose, and yeah, or you can come knocking on my door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right by the casino. It's okay. Uh, no, it's deadly. Well, again, I really appreciate your time and uh, and thank you for this. You got some great insights and it's awesome hearing from uh, from some of the younger voices and it's uh, it's cool to have some fresh ideas out there. So I really appreciate this. Thank you, Haley. Of course. And thank you for inviting and, and listening to me today.